Welcome to the Making History Parenting Podcast, where we want to help parents make his story, God's story, come alive in the hearts of our family. I'm Chase Baker, and with me co-host Jennifer Akers. Hi, it's so great to be here. What's up, Jennifer? Um, It's so good to have this particular conversation as we launch into a new mini-series focused on social media. It has an effect on parents, on our kids, and just our homes in general. That's right. So we're going to be speaking to some experts on this topic, but we'll also be talking with some students who are walking through this and some parents as well. So we're going to have lots of really great perspectives. So with this series, our hope is to really equip you as parents to safely navigate our increasingly digital world and to help you set healthy boundaries with technology that really makes sense for your family. That's right. And to kick us off, we we thought, let's bring in an expert to help us. Yeah deal with this issue. It's a licensed marriage and family therapist who will dive into how our mental health is impacted by media and technology. So be sure to pull up the show notes because this episode is packed and you're not going to want to miss anything. So let's get started. Let's go. Welcome to our Making History Parenting Podcast. My name is Chase Baker and with me is guest co-host Jen Hendrich, who serves on staff as our middle school pastor. Welcome, Jen. So I love that you're a part of this conversation today because you live in the the middle of this conversation on social media because you have a lot of middle schoolers who want to have it and a lot of parents who don't want their kids to have it (laughs) or not sure. So I think this is a really good conversation for you to jump in in on as our guest uh, co-host. So thank you for being here. And and today, um, it does weigh heavy on our hearts with this conversation. As parents are listening today, they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. this whole conversation. So this is the, um, the social media conversation. Yes, and really it is such a point of concern for parents, like you said, Chase. Um, Really, they're in the season of trying to navigate this topic with their kids. I mean, older elementary kids, middle school students, high school students, there's so many students and kids that are going through this in their lives, in their homes, on their phone, and parents are like, what do we do with this? Yeah, and this is not just a one-episode podcast. This is going to have lots of conversations and the the person that we wanted to kick us off today is an expert in this field. She's had experiences herself in this field and it's uh, Jenny Black. Jenny, we're so excited um, to have you here with us and just wanted to share a little bit about you before you get to share um, with us. But Jenny is awesome. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She specializes in the intersection of mental health and our media use. Her passion for this work was led by her own addictive relationship with her phone, as well as being one of the first generations to parent children through this digital landscape, um, really being their new reality. Jenny's entire family was experiencing various levels of symptoms of PTSD, and changing that relationship to their technology really improved their lives. As a result of the last few years of research and personal experience, Jenny founded Media Trauma Care, which is an organization that helps educate and support those who want a healthy relationship with their technology. Today, she runs Staying Human Groups, which is currently offered virtually for those who need a place to explore and unpack the trauma that they have experienced or witnessed through their media. She also offers workshops to parents, students, churches, um, and training for teachers and therapists. Last year, the Refuge Center for Counseling partnered with Media Trauma Care and has now published a book called Inner Technology, How to Be Human in a Digital World. So Jenny, you are the perfect person to have here today. Um, Would you just want to share with us a little bit more about you, your family, and all of this regarding social media? Sure. Thank you guys for having me today. 
Um, okay, so my kids today are 19 and 21 years old, and they uh, didn't get phones. I was pretty strict about like any kind of screen time, TV time, video games, or whatever. Their whole life it was like if it was a good week, they could they would get one hour a day. Like mm-hmm. if if everyone was perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was always very aware of not having a dependency on screens or television. Um, However, when phones came out, that felt like something completely new. Mm -hmm. Like here, this was a communication form. And I was really loving the fact that I could now, you know, check my emails if I was in car line and all the things that we um, so depend on today. So anyway, my both of my kids, it really wasn't a thing before eighth grade for them to have gotten phones. So there wasn't any question or controversy about that at that point in time. I was very excited about them entering into like the digital world because for me, it had really been um, life enhancing. Mm. Like I, I loved, I think, you know, I was one of the first people I knew to be on Instagram and on Facebook and it just scratched that itch of my wanting to be connected with everybody all the time. Um, and I should say this before my kids were, this is, this is really important. Um, way before we were having a conversation of whether my kids had phones or not, I had a phone, right? So I wish I could remember what year I had my first iPhone, but it was a significant turn for me and my kids having our life together every day to me and my kids having our life together that I shared with everybody else. Mm. So I do think that that is an important place to start, like who, whatever age group of parents or the group the age of the kids are that you are parenting right now, Mm -hmm. um, that I programmed my kids to share everything that they did. Mm. I did that. That's good. And, and to say, everybody cares what you're doing. And I'm, I'm using that. The truth, the very harsh truth of that is I was using it for my own significant, Mm -hmm. you know, this makes me significant. This gives me feedback. This makes me feel like People know me and care for me. So I think that's really, really important when we look at how the, the things that adolescents are dealing with right now, like why do they have to share everything? Well, you shared everything your five-year-old did mm-hmm. with you know the public. So kind of taking responsibility for where that started. It didn't just start, at least it's, with my it's kids. It's a learned pattern. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And um, – as we talk about the next generation, obviously we've talked about it before, even before we, we had this conversation before we even started recording, um, this could be had for adults as well. Like the, this whole social media abuse or it, it becoming addictive, those kind Absolutely. of things. But, it, but we're talking specifically on the next generation here. Um, how, how do you think that this social media is shaping the next generation right now? Yeah. So I really, I believe that the, the social media and the digital world that they live in is going to be much better understood if we think of it as like the Great Depression or a war that mm. kids might have survived and now how we will feel towards kids who lived during COVID. So I think that's an important piece for every single student that I talk to who's dealing with anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation and a lot of um, of anxiety is 
is not, it really is more like PTSD. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more that like, I'm so angry. I'm so sad. I'm so reactive, that kind of feeling. Um, one of the things like if these were children of war, we wouldn't be saying what's wrong with my kid. And that is something I would really like. I would really like the conversation to turn toward. Like, there's nothing wrong with your kid. They've been through an incredibly difficult time sure. in history. They're being asked to function in a world that they're never going to win. Mm. And they still have real life responsibilities, needs, and issues that they have no equipment to do because all of their energy is spent trying to survive in these digital spaces. So I feel like having that shift of, oh my gosh, what are our kids going through right now mm -hmm. is a way better conversation than what's, what's wrong with what's my wrong kid. What's wrong with my kid. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. And, and as far as the, you know, the parent-child relationship, and you've experienced this yourself on your kids and their interaction with you as it relates to even social media. How do you feel like, hey, this social media conversation really does affect that parent-child relationship? In what ways does it do that? You are going to love my response to this okay. question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we got to do this amazing workshop with 70 uh, high school students from like almost all over America, but even some like four or five different countries. Okay. And um, I think it was the first group of students I ever talked to about this. And I, the next day I was having a workshop with the parents. And so I asked the kids there, what do you want me to tell your parents? What do you wish your parents okay. knew? And they said, we want them to get off of their phones. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. And that I feel like is like before you even start assessing mm -hmm. what's my kid's relationship. Like, it's because it's very easy to say, oh, they're doing something meaningless or they're doing something, what, mm -hmm. so many YouTube videos or scrolling, like they're wasting their time on their phone, where I'm sure you all, like me, do very important things. <laughs> <laughs> right? Always. Right? All the time. <laughs> like we're working. We're, this is how I make right. a living. Yeah. But what we're communicating is that when our kids are in our physical space, that my screen is more important than you. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the little worksheet that I've sent to you guys, yeah. one of the things it says is go work in a different room. Like if mm -hmm. you if you can't be with your kid, don't look like you can be with your kid because that is I the same as being an absent parent. Does that make sense? You mm -hmm. look available. You look like you're there and – and then you communicate, it doesn't matter to me that you're there. You yeah. don't know you're communicating that. Which then, my kids have often said, the loneliest thing in the world is being in a group of people who are on their phone when you don't have a phone. Yep. Mm. And so that's, that's really the culture that most of our homes have today. Like we yeah. get home and everybody gets out on their phone. And so if there is one person who's looking for connection – Nobody's looking back. That's sure. so painful. That's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point. Um, and you mentioned uh, a handout. We're going we're gonna to put that handout for our, our parents to, to grab as a resource, too. That's, thank you for doing that. And uh, the flip side of that, we talk about parent-child. What about peer-to-peer -peer mm -hmm. and how that's affecting, affecting them throughout their day? Well, I almost feel like there should be a whole podcast on the parent-child and then the peer-to-peer right, right, yeah. <laughs> and then the... <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the YouTube, the, the influencer to sell. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> yep. um, but I did want to make sure and not lose this really important piece about the parent-child thing. I absolutely believe it is the number one antidote to the trauma that our kids have gone through. That if there is a parent who is not on a phone and who is available, that I can't say 100, say 95% of the time, that kid will choose to connect to the parent hmm. over their devices. So there's that. And, and okay, so just, I, I just feel like it, as a parent, I have felt so powerless about this. And it's really important to me to communicate to parents, you are the solution. That's great. Yeah, Your that's presence is the solution. That's so encouraging, I think, for a parent to hear right now is that you are the, there, there's, there's something that you can do. You know what I mean? Yes. Like yes. you're not, I love that. You're not powerless in this, this mm-hmm. whole situation. There is something that you can do. I love that. Your, your presence, the presence of the most important attachment figures in your kid's life do matter more even than this massive cultural pressure to be a part of mm. the digital world. That's great. Mm. Now, um, what about the peer to peer? Okay. Um, okay. So, I have so many fun stories about this. So um, my son said, when, so apparently this is back when they went to college. They went to classes for college in the olden days. Oh, yeah, the olden days, <laughs> the, olden the, days. the non-COVID days, right. yeah. <laughs> um, which is fascinating, right? Because we, what was the trajectory we were on before we all got socially isolated? So everybody would get to class and you get to class and you get on your phone and you stay on your phone until – the professor starts class, yep. and then most of the time, they probably stay on their phone the rest of the yeah, class, yeah. too. Maybe more secretly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my son said one day he wanted to do an experiment, got to class, and he was like, what will happen if I don't get out my phone? And he just w- wanted to watch what would happen. And he said every single person who walked into class and sat down before they got on their phone looked around to see if anybody else was looking wow. up. Wow. Um, And then another one of my son's friends did a similar experiment. He got to class, didn't get on his phone. Everybody was on their phone. And he just started talking. Like, so, it's a really nice day today, blah, 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 whatever. (laughs) And just waited. And this one guy in the back started talking back to him. And that's like his closest friend in college. So that's what I tell people is if you if you want real friends, if you want real connection, just look up and yeah. you'll see who else is looking up. Somebody else is looking up. I love yep. that. That's so good. That's good. So I know we're talking about a little bit about how the phone and the social media impacts our next generation. Specifically, wanted to lean into what do we think is happening to them emotionally and psychologically because of their access to social media, even as early, like we were saying, as fourth and fifth grade, middle school. Okay. This is going to get a little nerdy. Love Y'all ready? Yes. Um, And it's going to also require you to um, put on your creative problem, critical solving skills for (laughs) working with kids. Um, I am sure both of y'all are familiar with Erickson's stages Mm -hmm. of development. That, that stuff is gold, you guys. Mm-hmm. It's just gold. So let's, like, we'll see how long we have to really dive into this. Let's do it. So we might just have to, like, do the tip of the iceberg on okay. each one okay. of these. Okay, but let's take an infant, right? Zero mm-hmm. to two years old. 
And um, Erickson says that they're um, that is when they are learning trust versus mistrust. Okay. Okay. So the essential question that they're asking is, can I trust the world? Can I trust the world? So tell me what that looks like in healthy, healthy development. So they maybe are crying or shouting out for someone and someone acknowledges them, they hear them, they respond, they give them what they need or what they're asking for. A plus plus. Okay. Look at that, Jen. <laughs> you are. I have a two-year-old at my house right now. <laughs> you, you know it. Um, I think that's just meeting basic needs mm-hmm. like that. Just meeting basic needs that they they are. Um, the way that we respond to it, maybe it is hurt. Um, we get down to their level mm-hmm. on you know, and just acknowledging right, acknowledging mm-hmm. that something's. Off, acknowledging mm-hmm. that something's wrong and not dismissing. Yeah. So I, I see that you have a need and I'm going to make sure and meet that need for you. Right. You don't have to be scared when you're hungry, yep. you're going to get fed. When you say you need a diaper change, you know, yep. communicate that, you're going to get that. Okay. So now tell me what you think is going to happen if that zero to two-year-old gets an iPad every time they cry. Hmm. They're going to look to the iPad to comfort them? That's their, yeah, that's their emotional stability right there, right? That's that's the constant go back. That's the addictive nature of that thing. If it's like the pacifier, Mm -hmm. that becomes the screen. So it becomes their pacifier. It becomes their primary attachment figure. Mm -hmm. And does it meet their needs? Does it see them? And does it give them what they need? So that baby, if their essential question is, can I trust the world, what conclusion are they going to come to? No. So there's zero to two. Two to four years old. So two to four years old, we're still talking iPad, right? That's Mm going to be the iPad apps, the crying, temper tantrums, rewards, nap times. So, oh, wait, we need to say what's the healthy version. Is it okay to be me? Two to four years old? Absolutely. What does that look like? It is okay to be me. Thanks. Okay. Identifying, <laughs> identifying things in them that make them unique or special. Um, maybe when they're like doing something crazy or showy, they're looking for attention. That's it. That's it. You Look say, at me. yay, way to go. Affirm them. Look at me. My four-year-old daughter, she mm-hmm. was riding her little uh, push bike the other day. And no kidding, every three seconds, dad, watch. Dad, watch. Dad, watch. And so if I wasn't watching, yep. she would look at me until I was. She needed approval, right? Yes. Yes. And she got it. She got it. She got (laughs) got it. it. (laughs) Okay, yes, yes. Okay, so so how do y'all see technology being used with the two to four? I said iPad, apps. This is this is when I would say this is when parents are using technology. Parents are using as a distractions, right? To uh, I gotta get ready. We're we're going on a long road trip. Um, I've got to distract them for an hour to get mm-hmm. something done. So I'm going to put them in front of a screen. I'm going to do th- that kind of thing. Is that what you're talking mm-hmm. about? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's a little bit more of a babysitter. I, I, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell me how you feel like that could interfere with that question. Is it okay to be me? I'm thinking about this. Um, watch me. See me. Mm-hmm. Do you see yeah. me? What happens? So all yeah. those times your kids are annoying you. And I, I mean, my compassion goes out 
tremendously to anyone having to navigate this through younger ages mm -hmm. because I would have used it all. Um, but I didn't have it. And so when my kids were being annoying, what do you realize? What What's really – they're telling you things. Yeah. They're telling you things about themselves. They're telling you things about yourself. And if that all keeps getting, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. We don't yep. want to hear that. You're communicating quite mm -hmm. unintentionally. No, it isn't okay to be you because you is noisy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm too busy. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're saying, well, not only is it not okay to be me, but maybe I'm not important enough in this right. moment. Yeah. Well, and the word autonomy is actually, a, I, I'm surprised that this is so young, two to four years old. That's the word I'm hearing from a lot mm -hmm. of people is that they do not believe, they are not emotionally autonomous from their phone. They don't know how to be emotionally regulated mm -hmm. if their phone is not physically with them. And so to think about that that could go back to this age hmm. of I'm, it's not okay just for me to be me. Yeah. Okay. Five to eight-year-olds, um, the psychological crisis is initiative versus guilt. And the question they're asking is, is it okay for me to do, move, and act? So what does a healthy version of that look like? So they're starting school. Um, they're getting involved in things, they're participating in a learning setting, maybe in a play setting, maybe in a social setting, and they're wondering, okay, so is my participation in this good? Am I noticed? Is it approved of? So good. That's good. You're so good, Jen. You should work with kids. <laughs> okay, so how do you see um, media interacting with this age group? Hmm. I think like when you were talking about earlier when you said videos and stuff. So I think, and even when you said parents are sharing about what their kids do with others, I think that age is more aware of people coming up to them and say, oh, your mom sent me this or your dad sent me this. Great job when you did this trick or you sang that song at home. Um, I even think this is the age where like as an adult or as a parent or caretaker, you're pulling the phone out, doing a selfie and being like, let's take this picture together. Or that was so cute when you did that, do it again. And um, you're getting affirmation in those things. So I think by default, they're thinking, okay, people are going to watch me or approve of me if I engage. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Even the videos, I think that it's getting younger and younger. Um, I think you made reference to it before. It's, it, we as a as a parent sometimes i include my kids in my social media mm -hmm. feed and so they're constantly maybe on my feed all the time and they're and they're seeing themselves on my feed and i'm i'm showing my my little girl uh, videos of her mm -hmm. they're actually going out to the world to be able to see and so i imagine that's associated down like they're part of their identity it, could be wrapped up in, into some of that, right? I, I mean, I think that's the whole point of Erickson kind of unpacking this is that these things are, they're the stepping stones for the next, yeah, for the next question. But the, the crisis is between initiative and guilt. And it just made me think it's that shift of, of doing, moving and acting for other people to see. Yeah. As opposed to learning how to do how to make, how to move, how to act, like that, that 
that time period is about realizing the creation that you're capable of Mm -hmm. and you do it because it delights you, right? Like that's the, that intrinsic satisfaction. Like this, that was so fun that I made that movie to switch to, oh, but what did, uh, did other people see my movie? Mm -hmm, Did I? mm -hmm. So I think that, that piece right there is a really significant, um, harm that that social media has caused us is to lose that connection with light being fulfilled by what I do mm-hmm. and only being fulfilled if someone sees what I did that is like one of the definitions of yeah mental illness right mm-hmm. like yeah. you are not able to be gratified by the work that you do without the approval yeah. of mm-hmm. others yeah that motive is no longer just I enjoy it I get to be creative it's an experience now it's, I got the applause, I got the attention. Yeah. Well, and another interesting thing about this age group that is going to be really important for parents to understand is that this, that five to eight-year-old, is the sweet spot for technology. They are still innocent enough and pure enough and like to to create and do and be themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like oh my gosh, I just learned how to do this on this app. And I can talk to my friend who's in California and mm-hmm. we're going to send 10,000 emojis to each other. <laughs> it's a really innocent and sweet time. Mm-hmm. And there are there is this kind of blossoming like, oh, look, y'all. It could, social media could be so good. Look at, look at what they're learning and look how cute they're being or whatever. So it it has this like, that's the peak. I think everybody needs to know that's the peak. And it, before we get into this next one, it gives parents the false perception because if it's in this, if it could stay in that age of development mm-hmm. forever, we'd be okay. But what happens is the more attached they get to that digital space in those ages, and then the age group transitions, that's when, and parents are like, oh no, they know how to use media. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. they yeah. like, they point. got that. So I think that's, that's a very, very important thing for, it, it turns really, really fast. Yeah. And so the point that I w- will say over and over again is that your child has got to have as many resources available in their real, real reality as much of the day as possible. Because when it does turn bad, and if that's the only world they know, that's right, they're yeah. lost. And you're saying yeah. especially between ages five and eight. I'm saying that that is so many good things come from that age right. group and technology. Yeah, yeah. So it's easy to think this is all good. This is going to be that's fine. Right. And this is going to play good. out this way forever. Right, yeah. right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the next phase, which is the we're getting closer to middle school here. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle years, nine to 12 years old. Yeah. Industry versus inferiority. Can I make it in the world of people and things? So I would also throw out another I word, identity. So then you're looking around. It's the next one. Oh, that's (laughs) middle school. That's middle school too. That's right. (laughs) Yes, it is. You're right. Middle school crosses over both of these. So can I make it in the world? Okay. So nine through 12. And they're looking around. Um, They're definitely very aware about what everyone else is doing for sure. Um, Very aware of who is probably getting celebrated, who's popular, who's 
maybe family look, looks a certain way, friendships look a certain way, school looks a certain way for. Then they're looking at, but what do I look like versus that? Um, so yeah, so do I make it with what I have to bring to the table? How do I measure up? Yeah. How do I, I measure, measure up? up? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now think from what we've been saying, these are the ages that people are like, should I introduce social media to my, mm-hmm. should they have that mm-hmm. account? Well, okay, let's think. They're asking, how do I measure up in the world? Yeah. So tell me what they're going to find out. <laughs> the perfect pictures of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the kid who has yep. a great performance that's online. People that, posting their highlights. Oh, Absolutely. man, it's the highlight reel, right? And they're going to find out, no, I don't measure up to that. I'm looking in the mirror right now. I'm looking at how my day was. It didn't look like that. How, how many of you have felt that? Oh, way all of us. Today? Yeah. And, and no, I mean. right. And, <laughs> and that's like, that's why I just, I mean, my heart is so full of compassion for yes. these kids because mm-hmm. we are in the middle of developing our yeah. inferiority complex. Do you know, like that's not what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And yet we get triggered. Yep. So what, what does it mean when you live in a world and you think that that is the real world and you can never measure up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. We'll, we'll truck on to identity. So 13 to 19 years old, identity versus role confusion. Who am I? Who can I be? Yeah. That's your identity. That's your <laughs> I word, Jen. Brought us right into it. Right in. Those are those ages too, end of middle school, all the way into high school. You're really the world is asking like, where are you going from here? And what are you going to do in these years that are going to matter to make sure the rest of your life is going to be great and exactly like what we define as a success? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we had this conversation all the time. I think in the, in the, in church world, as we create these developmental stages or we try to help parents, um, figure out, Hey, how do we even parent in this stage? And they're trying to discover who they are and Yep. Um, their their identity and, and our job is obviously to shape them to identify with Jesus more than anything else. Um, there's just so much noise and there's so much noise on their social media platforms. Um, and they're, they're getting their, they're really getting their Id- identities from uh, their peers, um, mostly their peers um, with their different social media posts the way that they, um, the way they interact with one mm-hmm. another on social media, their conversations that they have, they internalize it. I think, internalize all that, that stuff, and um, and again, if if there is an addictive behavior there, and you keep going back to it, you begin to become what you're um, what you're watching or what mm-hmm. you're what's influencing you the most. And right now, maybe the thing that influences them the most is their social media platforms mm-hmm. um, right now in the conversations that they have. I really think too, um, okay, so you're deciding who you're going to be in this moment. You're saying, well, a healthy version of that would be like Chase was saying in the church world, we're obviously trying to get our students to understand you're made in the image of God. My image might be different than yours, but ultimately he doesn't make mistakes. And so we're created with what we look like, our personalities, our skills, and our talents. A healthy version of that would be not only to be okay with that, but to be confident in that, to be thriving in that, but also to look at those around you and also celebrate those Mm -hmm. things in other people too. Because I think definitely what we're probably getting to 
is that comparison mentality of why wouldn't I be okay with what I have and what I bring to the table? It's because I looked at someone else and, and identified like something about me wasn't enough. Something about me was less than something else or someone else than I saw. Well, and I can't even speak to, I'm just speaking to Instagram right now, but there's also appears to be getting a more close clothes defined. This is what you should look like. This is mm-hmm. what you should wear. This is like, it's when you visually start seeing these pictures of what is the winner, right? It starts to be like, oh, that's what it means mm. to be beautiful. That's what it means to be sure. smart. That's what it means. It's it's very you narrowly know, you're defined. You're trying to be somebody that God did never, never mm-hmm. created you to be. Mm. Which will 100% of the time cause you anxiety and depression and you will not want to live because you are not living. Mm. So this this is um, why I think so. It's just a fascinating question. It's not just a fascinating question. This is this is kind of my deep heart, kind of welling up, and one of the million reasons I'm happy you guys have me today, or thankful that you're giving me this chance to share, because I still don't know how much of a choice any of them have in the matter. Yeah. I have a choice. I'm 45 years old. I do not want to be on social media. I am not on social media. Mm -hmm. I am now starting to see that that's a privilege and that depending on the the place you live, where you go to school, how to function, it does not seem to be an actual choice for a lot of people. And that um, for that reason, I do want to shout out if it's a choice for you. On behalf of society, get off. If you have the if you have sure. that privilege, mm-hmm. take advantage of that privilege. But that being said, it moves to, okay, so these kids are trying to build an identity in a realm in which we'll only tell them their identity is not gonna not be enough. enough. Yeah. Not gonna be enough. And so that I think is where we as as the body of Christ, as whatever helpers that we are, mm-hmm. is realizing, oh my gosh, they're they're trying to find their identity in a world that is just going to abuse them, really yeah. in that specific area. Mm-hmm. And that's we have to give care to that. We have to not instead of being like, gosh, how can we get all these kids off of social media? Which even if we did today, the level of care we would need to do to compensate for what has happened will be the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. That's it for today's episode of Making History. Tune in next week as we continue our conversation with Jenny. She's going to dive deeper into the addictive nature of social media and also offer parents some encouragement and practical ideas on how to manage their family's relationships with technology. Yes, that's right. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified as soon as the next one is released. Thanks for listening.